sin has terrible consequences, but there's hope. Here's the pastor of Gospel City Church, Trent Griffith. We live in a world where people get sick. We live in a world where people age and get old and get wrinkled and die because we live in a sin-infected world. And yet Jesus, as he comes into this world, has power over all of that, over all sickness and over all sin. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So have you ever heard someone refer to the concept of karma? Karma is an unbiblical way that some Eastern religions try to explain the world around them. The thinking is that your behavior in this life, good or bad, is going to circle back around and affect you in the next life. So if you're sick or blind or paralyzed now, it must be bad karma. And it's an indication that you didn't live like you were supposed to live in the last life. Well, that is not what the Bible teaches. First of all, you only get one life. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Second, God's word is very clear about why we see sickness and death and other negative things in the world around us. And that's what Pastor Trent is helping us see today on Resonate. He's in a series called All Things New, So let's listen together. Here's Trent Griffith speaking recently at Gospel City Church. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 5. And uh, as you're doing that, I want you just to forget that you are in church here for a moment, okay? I want you to pretend with me that I am not your pastor. I want you to pretend that I am your physician. And you have stepped into the examining room, okay? Trust me, trust me, nobody's going to get hurt in this process, okay? But I want to just do a little, can we just do a little physical on you, you people here for a minute? And let's just take an overall picture of the physical health of this collection of people. Just humor me here and throw your hand up if any of these things apply to you because I need to diagnose your physical health as a group of people here this morning, okay? First of all, raise your hand if you are currently taking any medication. Oh my goodness, look at all the people. All right, put your hands down. Um, Raise your hand if you experienced any joint pain this week. Any people, joint pain? Okay, good. All right, anybody have the sniffles, runny nose, little nasal congestion? Anybody? Some of you are like, can we wear a mask? Can I get any like hand sanitizer? Because I didn't realize how sickly these people were. All right, keep going. Uh, Is there anybody here that's ever been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, like a cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure? Um, Okay, all right. Some of you. um, How about this? All right, some of you. Some of you are feeling pretty good about yourself because you're like, I'm I'm doing good. Okay, and most of you are like teenagers. Any acne? Any acne in the room? Any any acne? Okay, good. All right, got the rest of you in that one right there. Uh, good. Um, anybody have any uh, gastrointestinal issues? Um, little acid reflux going on. Okay. Is there anybody still that hasn't? Okay. I'm, I got one guy over here. Any anybody? 
Anybody wearing eyeglasses or contacts, okay? <laughs> anybody, okay, good, all right, good. Is there anybody still, just, just I, I, think, I think I covered everybody, right? Um, any wrinkles, any wrinkles in the room? Okay, wrinkles, good. I saw one lady back there, she, you haven't got me yet. Bam, just got you. All right, so why are we doing this? Let me tell you. Everything that we just talked about, by the way, I'm no longer your physician, now I'm your pastor again, okay? You're out of the examining room, you're back in church, okay? Everything you just indicated going on in you physically are the effects of living in a fallen, broken, spiritually sick world, the physical things that you just identified are the effects of sin. Today we're going to talk about the relationship between sickness and sin, your physical condition and your spiritual condition. Now, listen, there are a lot of churches that after we just diagnosed all that would call you forward and we would bop you on the head, pray for you real hard, tell you to exercise faith and leave out of here without, with, with all of that fixed, okay? You've come to the wrong church if that's what you were expecting, okay? I am looking at some of the most faithful people I know, people that have prayed. I guess the last question and all that, how many of you have asked God to fix all that? Just, God, take it away. Fix it. I don't want this. God, do a miracle. You're praying that God would take it away. And, and you've prayed in faith, and it's still there. So you have to acknowledge, if you believe God is sovereign and in control, that somehow God has a plan for that. And we're going to learn a little bit of that plan here today. So let's dive into the scripture here. And I want to introduce to you some people just like you, some really sick people in the Bible. Okay. Um, right here in Luke chapter five, first of all, verses 12 through 16, let's read this story. While he, Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. I didn't include leprosy in the list, but it's kind of like acne, a really bad case of acne, like all over your body, eventually your face just falls off. That's bad. And so this guy is in bad shape, a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. How many of you agree if the Lord wanted to, he could fix all of those problems. You believe that? That, this, that? Exactly. God, if he willed, he could make that happen. And sometimes he does. I believe in physical healing. And sometimes he does that miracle for us if he wills. And so he prays, verse 13, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Luke is so specific here. Do you realize that it, w- it was a violation of the law to touch an unclean leper? And if you touched an unclean leper, you became ceremonially unclean. You couldn't go into the temple and worship. Jesus looked at him. He could have healed him any way he wanted to, but he said, I'm going to heal you by touching you. Awesome. Awesome. And so he says, I will be clean. And immediately the the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of them. Remember that proof. Verse 15. And now even more, the report about him went abroad. (laughs) Great. The guy, Jesus said, don't tell anyone. And he goes and tells everyone. Why do you think Jesus didn't want him to tell anybody? Just, I think it was because 
Jesus didn't want them thinking that he had only come to heal physical sickness. We're going to find out more later. It says, great crowds gathered to hear him, and he healed them of their infirmities. Verse 16, and he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Don't miss that. While there were scores of people still to be healed, Jesus withdrew and didn't heal everyone. Being with the Lord was more important than his public ministry. Where do you think he got the power to heal? It's when he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he did every miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're introduced to this guy that's healed of leprosy. Here's the second story and here's the one we're going to drill down on this morning. Verse 17. On one of those days, he was teaching, notice, not healing, he was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and had to come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Let's just stop right here and observe a few things here. Now notice, Luke is taking us on a journey through these episodes of Jesus' life. It's almost like you've stepped into a museum or an art gallery, and as you walk down the hallways, you see these different portraits, and you stop and you stare at the portraits for a little while, and you study that one, and then you move on to another portrait over here. Every portrait in this hallway is of Jesus doing something or teaching us something. And so remember, as we're walking through this art gallery here, and we're staring at this particular story, we are introduced to a new figure in the story that's going to become a very prominent figure in the rest of the stories as we walk down this hallway. And this, these particular figures are known as the Pharisees. Now, this is the first time that we are introduced to these Pharisees in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to talk more about the Pharisees, but I just want you to understand, here's the first introduction to this group of religious leaders. They were teachers of the law, not only the written law, the Torah that we have in our Old Testament Bibles, but they had added all kinds of oral traditions of men to the written word of God and confused it all and they had become the spiritual referees, the spiritual police to make sure everybody's doing their rule keeping. And they controlled people through guilt. And just, just these are not guys that, that we want to be associated with. Now, this is the first of five different stories that we're going to see in concession, uh, succession as we walk through Luke here in the next couple of weeks, okay? So I just want you to see Luke is getting ready to tell us about these Pharisees. He wants us to see the distinction between the Pharisees and Jesus. Understand there were three different religious groups, almost like three different denominations in the Jewish teaching. It was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the other group was called the Essenes. And so they were kind of like the political parties. Everybody kind of polarized in one of these groups to kind of figure out how they were going to obey the Bible. So I just want you to see that on the front end. This is the first time that we're going to see major opposition to Jesus despite his public popularity because he was healing everybody. And so uh, we're introduced to these guys and notice the power of the Lord to heal was on him. So uh, we understand that every sickness is in some way connected to sin. 
Now, let me make this disclaimer. I didn't say that your particular sickness is related specifically to your specific sin. We just live in this world that has been invaded by bacteria, viruses, demons, and death because of the brokenness of the original creation that God created. And so we live in a world where people get sick. We live in a world where people age and get old and get wrinkled and die because we live in a sin-infected world. And yet Jesus, as he comes into this world, has power over all of that, over all sickness and over all sin. That's what Luke is introducing to us here in this story. So look at verse 18. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Everybody underline the word paralyzed in verse 18. This was his physical illness. It was his physical ailment. We don't know what caused the paralysis. We don't know if this is a partial paralysis. We don't know if he'd had a stroke and the left side of his body has been paralyzed and weak. We don't know if... um, if he, he had a neck injury, we, we don't know why he's paralyzed, but he, he's physically broken. And some men bring this guy to Jesus. It says at the end of verse 18, they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. I mean, it was like trying to find a parking space at Gospel City Church in the nine o'clock service. That's what it was like. I mean, it was crowded. People were pressing in. And so these guys were not going to take no for an answer. They got really ingenious and they found their way to the top and they came in through the roof. These guys wanted to get this guy to Jesus. Verse 20, and when he saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven. That was not why they brought him there. I mean, can you imagine all the trouble that these guys had gone to? They had risked their lives climbing up on top of the roof. They could have fallen off and broken their neck and gotten paralyzed. They brought this guy to get his physical problem fixed. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine their response? Uh, Thanks, Jesus, but the guy's got a broken neck. Is that all you're going to do? Is just kind of say your sins are forgiven and send him home paralyzed? Would you have been satisfied? Did you know there's a lot of people that come to Jesus to get their physical problem fixed? And what Jesus is most interested in is fixing your spiritual problem? Would you have been satisfied coming to Jesus and him forgiving your sin, but not fixing your sickness? Would you have been satisfied with that? Would you be satisfied if Jesus fixes your physical problem, but never deals with your spiritual eternal problem, your sin? 
What's more important? This is the story that Luke is introducing to us. The importance of not only our physical brokenness, but our spiritual brokenness. Here's the first point of the message. We need to recognize the paralyzing power of our sin. This guy's greatest problem was not his physical illness. His greatest problem was his spiritual illness. Jesus introduces his healing power for sin. Now remember, all through the first five chapters of Luke, Jesus is healing physical sickness. But at this point, there is a turn in the story. And we are introduced to the primary reason Jesus came, not to fix your physical problem. Jesus came to fix your spiritual problem. And your spiritual problem is what is called sin. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, your biggest problem is your sin. Now, if, if you're not bold enough to say that, would you at least be humble enough to turn to your neighbor and say, my biggest problem is your sin, is my sin, okay? <laughs> Now, don't get, don't get the communication wrong here. My biggest problem is my sin, not your sin. My biggest problem is my sin. You see, it's really hard to admit that because if I've got a sin problem, that's a big problem. And it can't be fixed by anybody but Jesus. We don't like to talk about sin. Do you know why we don't like to talk about sin? Because deep down on the inside we really don't believe it can be fixed. We don't like to stare at our sin because we do not believe fully and completely and totally in Jesus' power to forgive my sin. Only people who believe firmly in the power of Jesus' forgiveness are willing to stare face to face at the horror and the ugliness and the violence of their sin. I'm going to challenge you to do that this morning. What is sin? What, what is it? We talk about it. What is it? Let's define it for a few minutes. First of all, in scripture, we understand that sin is like trespassing. As a matter of fact, trespass is another word in scripture for sin. It means you are crossing into an area that is forbidden. It means you are stepping over a boundary. God has boundaries. Not only does Jesus have the power to forgive sin, Jesus has the power to define sin. And yet, we don't like anybody defining sin but us. We like to set our own boundaries. And yet, Jesus has total and complete authority to set the boundaries of what is sin. Do you know what we do in our culture? What, what's happening more and more in our culture? We keep changing the boundaries. We keep pressing out so that we've got a bigger 
playground to play in sin. And the reality is so many of us are playing outside the boundaries. We're trespassing. Not only is sin trespassing, sin is missing the mark. That's probably the best picture. It's like an an archer who has a bow and arrow and he's aiming at the bullseye and he just keeps missing. Just keeps missing. It just, he never hits the, the target. And that's what sin is. It's trespassing. It's missing the mark. Sin is falling short. Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're like a marathon runner. We, we just can't get to the finish line. We don't have the strength and the stamina to go the distance. And so we fall short. We fall short of God's glory. We fall short of God's holiness. The reason why we don't think about sin anymore is because we don't think about God's holiness anymore. We don't believe that God is holy and pure and righteous and undefiled and unpolluted. He's not like us. He's never had a bad attitude. He's never fallen short in any way. He's the one that sets the boundaries. And so we don't have a grasp of sin because we've lost a grasp of the holiness of God. We've fallen short of the holiness of God. Now, when we think about sin, most of us think about the sins we commit, the laundry list of sins, the do's and the don'ts, and we think of sins. There are certainly do's and don'ts in the Bible. And when you disobey one of the do's or the don'ts, you sin. But please hear me. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is not that we commit sins. Our biggest problem is that we like to sin. Our biggest problem is not that we're a lawbreaker. Our biggest problem is that we are actually law haters. It goes deeper than that. I sin because at my core, I am a sinner. I am not a sinner because I commit sins. I commit sins because deep down on the inside of me, I am spiritually broken. I'm spiritually weak and I want to set my own boundaries and I don't want to believe I've fallen short and I swell up in pride and I want to be my own God. And therefore, I excuse my sin. Sin is my bent away from God. I am born into this world with my back turned on God. I am born into this world bent away from God. I'm born into this world allergic to God. Sin makes me allergic to God. And it is only an act of grace that turns me around and an act of repentance that faces me back in the direction of the Lord. Sin deceives me. It makes me think I'm better than I really am. And it makes me think that my biggest problem is somebody else's sins, somebody that sinned against me. We sin because it's our natural born nature. And it's only an act of God that can turn me away from it. I want to excuse my sin. I want to blame my sin on my condition, my upbringing, my lack of money, my lack of education, the way that I was treated, the dysfunction of my father, uh, my stupid church that didn't teach me correctly, uh, the fifth grade girl that broke my heart, you know, and, and we, we, we excuse, we minimize our sin and blame it on everybody but ourselves. 
Have you sinned? Has God in the last five minutes been bringing conviction on your heart because you're a sinner? Or are you swelling up thinking, I used to be like that. I know some people like that. My kids are like that. Or are you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit convict you of sin? You say, well, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm a sinner, but I, just, I don't know specific. Well, let me help you a little bit. Lying, cheating, stealing, covetousness, selfishness, idolatry, a lack of love, jealousy, envy, complaining, anger, worry, fear, profanity, pornography, lust, sex outside of marriage, adultery, gluttony, greed, lack of generosity, unfaithfulness, hypocrisy, laziness, procrastination, irresponsibility, self-righteousness, unbelief, or murder. You say, finally, one I haven't committed. Thank you. Wait a minute. Jesus said, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've actually murdered him. Has the weight of sin brought you face to face with the reality that sin will paralyze you spiritually? This guy's biggest problem was not his physical paralysis. His biggest problem was his spiritual paralysis. Sin paralyzes you spiritually. It immobilizes you so that you can't move toward God. You actually have to have an outside force pick you up, turn you around, bring you to Jesus for healing. That is the illustration here in this story. Now notice in verse 20, it says, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. He saw the faith of the four guys that dragged him there. He saw the faith of the man that was lying there in his paralysis. And Jesus responds to their faith. That is a mind-blowing thing. That Jesus did something in response to a human being a sinful, broken, paralyzed human being. And I can't explain this to you, but some things Jesus does not do until or unless you have faith. And the first thing you have to have faith to believe is that you are spiritually paralyzed. I have to believe the report of my spiritual condition. And then I have to believe that Jesus can do something about it. So much so that I will get myself to Jesus, no matter what the obstacles, no matter what stands in the way, no matter what the risk, no matter what the expense, I'm gonna get to Jesus. That's what these guys did. Well, it's helpful to understand that disease, death, and physical disabilities are the result of living in a fallen and cursed world. And it's even more helpful to recognize the hope that Jesus brings as he makes all things new. Pastor Trent will finish his message next week right here on Resonate. Well, the foundation of Gospel City Church is Jesus Christ himself. That means that everything we say, everything we do is somehow connected to Jesus. 
We believe any other approach is a waste of time and resources. So if you're looking for a Christ-centered, Bible-preaching church to call home, why not visit Gospel City Church? You can learn more about us on our website, mygospelcity.org. And there's also information about service times and where we meet. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And why not follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. So today we've seen how sin generally affects our world. And next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent brings it home on a more personal level, the consequences and the remedy for your sin. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and it's my prayer that God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.